This is Lion Fury episode 10. I'm Danny Thomas and today I chat with the one and only Kim Kicks. Where I think as mostly suffered by creatives, but it's something hard to talk about and until this day, recently, I've never spoken about it in my life. I suffered silently on my own. How you doing guys? Welcome to episode 10 of Lime Fury, a small milestone for the podcast. It's been quite the ride indeed. Really happy to have 10 under the belt. And I can't thank you enough, as always, for your support. Before I introduce today's guest, Kim Kicks over in Hollywood, here's a recap from the show so far. The first two episodes demonstrated that it's not only possible to climb the biggest mountain in Germany, but you can also start a podcast all in one day. I surprised myself. That's how this whole thing kicked off. Then I chatted with refugee Darish Fazay, who shared his epic story of overcoming adversity, trekking across Europe in seek of asylum. We were then blessed with filmmaker Marla Gettier's compassion and the notion that you don't have to be a tortured artist to make good art. Keyboardist Simon Gray popped in and shared his insights into crowdfunding an album and achieving huge personal growth all within the same process. Then singer-songwriter Joel Javier offered tips on how to kick the day job blues and align yourself with a more fulfilling career path. Finally, last episode, footballer and fashion designer Donald Sansaki reaffirmed the importance of serving others. The journey rolls on, and in this episode, I Skype with fellow Aussie drummer Kim Kicks over in Hollywood. Now, Kim forms half of the indie rock band Satellite Sky with her singer-guitarist brother Pete, and this is how the band's bio reads. Throw together a female drummer that hits the drums like you're being punched in the face, a singer-guitarist that bleeds rock and roll like he's giving to the blood bank every time he walks on stage, mix it up with showmanship that would put Circuit de Soleil to shame, and you get one serving of indie rock brother-sister duo Satellite Sky. Kim and I are friends from way back, so what happens when two drummers have a conversation? Well, it ain't no drummer joke, but we do talk about revolver and clicks early on in the piece. So just to clarify, revolver is a live venue in Melbourne and a click is a metronome. This is the first time publicly that Kim courageously shares some of her struggles. More specifically, the darker aspects that often come hand in hand with being a creative soul. In this social media age where often judgment is made purely based on one's feed, I'm so grateful for Kim's courage and her honesty. Now, more than ever, we need to know it's okay to reach out. Enjoy this one, guys, and I'll see you on the other side. We're friends from Melbourne. We had some crazy times playing shows together in uh, around the traps in Melbourne and then I disappeared off to London and Kim and Pete went to LA. So welcome, Kim. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be part of your podcast. This is the 10th episode and we were just talking, like it's 
easy in theory to say, oh, I'm going to do a podcast, but there, there is actually a bit of work involved. <laughs> and <laughs> Damn it. We don't, we don't like to work. <laughs> Everything, everything's easy for us. Yeah. I know. I get to see you as well, even though your listeners don't, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if there's any connection issues or the postman rocks up or a neighbor goes crazy or whatever, we just deal with it as it happens, Yeah. Or, or leaf blowers. <laughs> leaf blowers. One of my absolute favourite. I think a leaf blower oh. is the most useless invention <laughs> known to man. It's unbelievable. I think people have become lazy. They don't know what a rake is. <laughs> <laughs> but, what, but what does a leaf blower actually do? It just it just shuffles they, leaves. They, they move dirt and leaf leaves everywhere else, but where they want it. <laughs> yeah. They move leaves from one spot to another. Yes. And it's like using it. a rake, but it's a big blower. And it doesn't matter actually where, uh, now that I've lived in Australia, London, and Germany, Thursday mornings, 10 a.m., leaf blower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tipping it's the same. 8 a.m. on a Thursday morning. 8 a.m. <laughs> crazy. I reckon leaf blowers have like a worldwide app that syncs, syncs their time so they can just annoy the shit out of everybody. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> and, then, and then people get... Uh, annoyed if we play drums and we actually sound good and then shut down within five minutes. Yeah, and no one complains about leaf blowers. Nope. That's, <laughs> that's a lot more obnoxious than drumming. <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's it. Well, well, starting with it, so Kim and I are both drummers and um, Kim's a pretty explosive drummer is what I'd say. Like with Satellite Sky, I've never seen you guys live as just you and Pete. Back in the day, you were a three-piece different band. Um, yeah. but you guys, all, I know that you've always put on quite a show. I, I remember when we played together at Revolver, I think Pete was running over the bar with his guitar. <laughs> that sounds um, about right. <laughs> does that still happen? Uh, that does still happen, but he's singing now as well. So, yeah. uh, you know, we can't run too fast, but it, we do. It's a, nothing's faked. It's all, we love what we do. We love performing. So it all comes out naturally. You know, I've tried to tone it down because of I don't want to become injured or anything, but I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, shouldn't. You shouldn't. This, this inner something comes out on stage and it's passion and it's love. It's love for what I do and I get excited and I love what I do. So it, tur- it turns into that powerful what people call crazy drumming stuff. It goes back to the question was drums – always natural to you or you, you were you were drawn to them. I, I remember I remember a long time ago, like in the studios at Revolver when you were get sort of getting interested and stuff, but do you remember as a kid were you playing? Well, yeah, I recently found out when we cleaned out mum and dad's house, um, they sold the house, so I found this school project from when I was a teenager and it, I'd written about music and I'd written something about drums that I wanted to start I think when I was like eight years old or something, but I didn't pursue it, but I'd written in it about it. So that's a lot earlier than I thought. Yeah, wow. So, <laughs> but I only started, you know, the mid-teenager. Um, so there was something – I learned piano as a child. I didn't want to sit the exams in front of people because I was shy, believe it or not. Still am a little shy. No one would believe that. But um, – yeah, when I, I – drumming was – I think your instrument chooses you, you know, or your creative – like I do photography, painting, sculpture. I do a lot of 
writing. Um, done so many creative things over my life but that I love but drumming is just something that was inside of me that I had to pursue and see what happens because without it it's just I just didn't feel right <laughs> so unfortunately it was the instrument that you can't perfect without people hearing you and creatively and artistically I am or was a perfectionist and I like I like things complete and amazing before anybody hears them or sees it, like with my artwork or photography. Um, but drumming's really not that instrument. So, you know, I learned that the hard way and I tried to practice when no one was around and hardly jammed with anyone um, and always thought I should be better than I was. And that was, that was my downfall. And that goes with anything in life, that word should and should be better or better than where you are right now, It's if, if I can save someone that's listening to this <laughs> 10 years of their life of beating themselves up, that they should be better than what they are, you are where you're at and just have fun with it <laughs> because looking like I don't regret anything or that I did or the way I approached things, but I was very, very hard on myself because I wouldn't be who I am today without having gone through everything that I went through personally and how I treated myself. Yeah, if you're, if you're learning an instrument now, first of all, it's never too late and you are where you are. You should never be better than you are. You, you should always be excelling, absolutely, but I think just don't be hard on yourself and just enjoy the process, <laughs> you know, and, yeah, that's what I can say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're spot on. I, I, I've said it before on the show, but, like, the richness of life experiences puts – you exactly where you're meant to be but in terms of the um, in terms of the drumming I, I remember you saying to me one thing that stood out with the drums I think we were in revolver and and yeah you said to me if you've gotten like if, if you're going into a recording know the whole track in its entirety I and, said that yeah and you said you said to me know the whole track in its entirety and be able to play it on its own to a click and for me, oh, wow. yeah, no, and for, for me, actually, as, as a drummer, that really stood out because I'd been doing it for a while, but I, you know, I wasn't very technical and I'd done a few recordings and I didn't, you know, I wasn't really using a click and stuff. And it seemed simple, but I, I'd never actually just like thought of the concept of like committing to every part of the track and knowing the track so well that. That you, you don't you don't actually have a guide and you can just play it through, and that that so in terms of you speak you know that that's rung true for me throughout my drumming experience and I remember you saying that saying that way back. I think um, wow, I, I love that you, you find out what you've said to people that have impacted their lives. <laughs> yeah. Because actually, a, a friend of mine who's an amazing drummer who used to well, I used to have a place that. Five of us lived at one point, but it was a very creative space. But I was practicing drums at Revolver one day, and um, a friend of mine, Matt, Matt Bray, is an amazing drummer. He came and sat in the room. I'm like, I stopped playing. And so this is where I must I think I found this wisdom, and I, I was very shy and very embarrassed to practice in front of anybody. He's like, he's just started reading his magazine. I'll never forget this either, and it's kind of the same. He's the one that taught me that pretty much um, – 
or led me to that because he's like just play play the song and I was like what do you mean I don't have any playback I was just practicing he's like play a song in your head hear it in your head and that's where I got that from so I translated that into and, and I just sat there for 10 minutes not doing anything and he's just reading his magazine he's a cool cat you know <laughs> he didn't care and eventually I'm like just do it just do it and stop being embarrassed just play like think of one of your songs how does it Every, every, every musician works differently. Um, and it's, so for me, that was a really difficult task. But then I forgot, he, I, I pretended he wasn't in the room. I'm like, all right, let's think of one of my songs. And I heard, and I started playing and I played it right through. And then he was like, and I'm like, cool, that was okay, I can do this. And I applied that when I went into the recording studio. You know, we don't always record to click because it, depending on the vibe, but it's a good thing to do if you can um and I just wasn't we were jamming to a click and I wasn't kind of nailing it and then I was like you know what just give me the the click and it was a song that's very drumming drum based song like very heavy so and without the guitars and bass I just nailed it I heard the song in my head played it to the click because we'd been I'd been struggling because there's a lot of there was a lot of guitar parts that were over and around what I was doing and I was like I'm just not nailing it and then like all right turn everything off just give me the click and I smashed it out twice and we were done yeah, and wow. so that's where I that's I related that what Matt had taught me to the studio and then I guess I imparted that knowledge shared that knowledge to you and that's amazing to me because I, I don't know what I say to people that affects their lives and I think that's amazing <laughs> yeah no it really it really stood out those one percenters that get handed down the line Hi, Jörg Schandenberg here. You know, in the Netherlands, we don't mind body and we don't mind Kesha. But you know what? Sometimes it gets a little crazy. And when it gets a little crazy, you can't remember what day of the week it is. You need to have a lie down. And that's why I like my siesta chair. You know, when I'm when I'm feeling like I need a little lie down after a big banger on the weekend in Amsterdam, I sit in my siesta chair and you can't believe the amazing sense of euphoria. You feel, it's amazing. Inspired by a weekend in the Mediterranean, I can't even remember. The siesta chair is pure bone-chilling relaxation. It's, it's crazy. And if you if you now apply, you can have a 5% discount when you use the code word Lion Fury for your purchase. Fantastic. The siesta chair is amazing. We both know the the rock and roll world's a bit of a roller coaster. How do you keep yourself grounded? <laughs> so, oh, okay. Um, well, we've been doing this a long time in different forms of bands, and as an independent band, doing pretty much everything ourselves. People, people see the, the the side of it. Well, you guys just party and drink and play shows and tour. I'm like, yeah, sure. But there's a lot of things, as you know, that go on behind the scenes. 24 hours, we never turn off. And I think recently, you know, back in the day, I was, with whatever work I was doing, manager, recording studio, doing photography, organising events and drumming in a band, it's like I never switched off. I never gave myself – I felt guilty if I had a, sat down and had a coffee with a friend. So I think how I stay grounded – or aim to or try to now is I've realised the importance of well it's, it's difficult because you love what you do and when you love everything that you're doing you don't really want to switch off you want to keep doing it everything we do is about our work whether we go out and meeting people for you know whatever it is it's 
you're just always on. But I've in the last year or so, couple of years, I've realized first of all that your health, be that physical and mental, um, is the most important thing. Because without those two things, you are unable to do what you do, whatever that is. And staying grounded, you need to give yourself personal time and personal space where and not feel bad about it, whether that's five minutes a day, a full day, take off a week, whatever it might be, I've really uh, noticed the importance of that and taught myself that I really need to do that because without that, you, you are unable to work and create effectively and and then your, your moods change and you start affecting people around you that you care about, that you love, and it, it reflects in everything that you do. Without a positive, happy, I mean, we're not, that, that word's thrown around, oh, it's just about being happy. It, it's, it's uh, your life is, is your process and happiness is just one of those feelings. We are creative, so naturally we... <laughs> You know, a lot of creative people keep internalize things and have a lot of emotions that aren't, aren't just joy and happiness and fun. We, we, we have a spectrum of things that, that make us who we are. Um, but I think, yeah, keeping grounded is uh, how do I do it? In a various ways, I've started to – I'm not very good with routines – but at the same time, I, I, I love routine as well. So I hate it, but I love it. So just little things like when you wake up in the morning, and every day is different because sometimes you sleep in or you have other things that you have to do straight away. Like, um, But I do a lot of um, exercise, yoga, stretching. Um, just started doing a lot of breathing work, breath work. Um, I get out. I, I Without being around nature, for me, it's, it's very hard to stay grounded. So whether that means going to the beach for a walk or a surf or hiking, getting away somewhere, even for a day or two or even for an hour, it's very hard to stay focused and stay grounded, I think. Especially in LA and where I live right now, I've lived all over this town. It's a, I live in Hollywood, right in the thick of it. Um, which I'm actually probably moving to somewhere a bit quieter um, because you walk out of your house and there's homeless people in tents and there's human feces in front of your house. It's it's heavy <laughs> and you're trying to be happy and creative and then you walk, walk outside and this is in your face and it, it, it's, it's, it's just it's it's difficult sometimes yeah, it and it gets sometimes. to you. I absolutely yeah. agree that like if you, if you don't have your health and your well-being, especially in this type of environment. I think what social media has done with uh, positive whatever, you know, messages and this, it's great um, and it, it's brought the world together to do positive things and think positively. But we can read those things, but it doesn't mean anything if you're suffering inside. You try and you try, but... You've really got to experience that and, and find your passion and your love for life. And it, it, it's harder these days um, to do that with so much going on in the world and expectations on yourself. Um, 
But also people like live in the present, live in the present. It's all about now. In a way it is, but I also think that you are who you are because of your past. And, and if there's a lot of things that you've never dealt with before, I'm not saying you have to focus on that, but that can cause so much inner turmoil. And eventually, if you keep things inside your whole life, because you are, you, you, <laughs> that, that can surface and, and it, it, it can erupt and you can lose passion for life and passion for creating and, and then put on top of that everything that's going on in the world that's probably always been going on in the world, you know, but not necessarily in our lives because it, it never affected our lives directly, um, but now things are. Um, I'm talking about all the bad things that are happening in the world and directly affect some of us. Um, you know, we've all lost. <laughs> Unfortunately, now a lot of us have lost people, you know, because of shootings or this and that. And that's things like that. It's it's, it's hard and heavy, and you and you question humanity. Um, but so you put all of that into on top of yourself, and it, it's heavy. Everything becomes very heavy. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you? My where I'm at now, I'm 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 trying to find that that love for life again and that passion for everything that I'm doing, the true passion. Because I I know I love everything and I know I love life and I always see the positive. But I've recently gone through a phase where I've been blinded to everything that's good because I've been overwhelmed by everything that isn't, and I've also been dealing with a lot of personal things that I've never dealt with before. I, I, I could never speak like this openly, you know, a, a few months ago. Um, I think talking is very important. Um, and, and, yeah, you have to deal with your your past, not deal with it, just accept things, understand that they've made you who you are today and they've made you stronger. Um I'm probably more creative. I don't. I used. To, <laughs> I, I used to think that. I well, some of the paintings I used to do were so scary because I couldn't verbalize as a kid what I was going through, um, or a teenager, should I say? Um, but creating art, and then a, a couple of years ago, so I'm all over the place because a lot of thoughts. Totally but, um, cool. I had an operation on my shoulder a couple of years ago. I had something removed, and um, I, had, I had to heal. And I couldn't do anything because I was in a lot of pain for two months. So the only things I could do was go inwards and do restorative yoga classes and learn to use my breath and did a lot of writing. And, you know, I couldn't be out and about much because I didn't want to get knocked or anything. So that was a really important time in my life and it was like I felt so much lighter and not just physically because of the thing that got moved, but uh, in, internally and for drumming, for example, whenever I'd play a show up until two years ago, it would always, I'd get, I'd, my band would try and make me angry or I'd find something to get riled up about, whether it be the booker or the sound guy or my band member or whatever. I'd just be, I'd come from an angry place and that's how I drum. So after this operation on my shoulder, I was, I was actually genuinely lighter and happier and I was like, how am I going to play a show? <laughs> and then, you know, we, we played 
the first show back was at the Viper Room and it was my birthday and my parents came over from Australia and that, they've never seen us as a two-piece at that point either. We'd Peter singing live anyway. Um, and the room was full just of fans and friends and everyone was there for us and for me. And I'm like, I'm happy <laughs> for the first time. How am I yeah. going to play the show? <laughs> and, and the, but the, the sound guy really pissed us off that night before we went on. And, uh, so you harness. I, well, normally what I do, Peter is very mellow and he only gets when he needs to, but uh, I I normally would have reacted and fired up. And, but I was sitting there, I was like, no, this guy's not going to ruin my night. I'm, I'm just not, I kept my mouth shut. At the end, put it this way, at the end of the show, he came up to us and was apologising profusely for how he acted. And had I reacted, that just would have, he would have done a bad sound job, it just would have bad energy. But I, I, I realised everyone was there for us. I'm, I'm going to play this show. And I played the whole show with a smile on my face and I felt so light and so good. So that whole thing that you only can create if you're suffering, it's not true. <laughs> it, you do create some amazing things from suffering and, it be, you know, whether it be painting, photography or music or anything, writing. Um, but that night, I was ecstatic. <laughs> like, I was coming from a place of lightness and of joy and, and I think, but I, I didn't, my show wasn't compromised, but I was having so much fun. And from then forward, every show I play, I'm so grateful that I, like, I didn't know if I was going to be able to play drums again, <laughs> you know, uh, and so I'm so grateful that, I have that opportunity to play and to affect someone's life in a positive manner. Um, that I, I'm coming from a happier place when I play my music now. And I still play, as you said, like crazy heavy drums, but it's coming from a different place where it used to come from anger, <laughs> I guess, or something of being frazzled. When, when, so, I, when, I, when I described you as explosive, I... I don't. I don't mean that in an in an aggressive way. I always admired your expression, uh, and I, I was always a very reserved drummer. And I wanted to absolutely let let. I think that was the cool thing about drumming for me. It challenged me to let go and and um, go with it and get out of my head and all that sort of stuff. But I thought you were going to say perhaps you used the fury you felt at the sound, dude. <laughs> To harness your, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can candidly say that I'm, I'm prone to depression, um, and it's something that I've had to manage and find strategies and ways around it. And depression is a tough thing that a lot of people don't understand. Uh, there's two different types of depression, and I think so. Some people suffer from depression for an obvious reason, whether that be I lost my job, I got divorced. Uh, Whatever you're... Uh, An external the, circumstance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's an there's internal type of depression. Uh, sorry, I don't know the technical... I know the technical terms, but I've forgotten. Um, where I think as mostly suffered by creatives, but it's something hard to talk about. And until this day, recently, I've never spoken about it in my life. I suffered silently on my own. And my family sees things, but they it's a, t it's a tough topic to breach mm. because you want to keep it to yourself. 
And when you're generally a very successful person and always generating joy onto other people and happiness and taking care of people and making sure everybody else is all right, because that's how I am by nature. I'm a, a nurturer, a carer. I love seeing people happy, whether that be a stranger in the street or my friends and family. And I, I led myself to believe that I was fine because the rest of the world has greater problems. My friends have greater problems. I, and this is one of my biggest, mis, I guess, mistakes, if you're going to call it a mistake of thinking, is that I always, I never thought I had any problems because everyone else's was worse than mine. That everything's what I've learned now. Everything's relative, and whether it's something tiny and seemingly irrelevant or something quite huge, you, you do have issues and you need to deal with them. Because if you don't, it'll all come out years later. Um, and even compared to, yes, there's always someone worse off than you, always. However, you need to love yourself, and it's such a what? Such a I hate saying that, <laughs> but, but it's, it's only reason I'm like, okay, I can. I used to find it very hard to use the word love, even to my anyone. <laughs> but I'm trying to start using that and. Love yourself, not in a, hey, I'm so good, but in a way that how, how can you genuinely help people, which I've done all my life and thought it was genuine and unconditional, but I realised lately that it's not, truly hasn't been unconditional because there's something I do want in return, whether that be a smile or to have someone appreciative or happy. That's kind of have, wanting something in return, but... You know, I mean, it is unconditional, but at the same time. So this is something new that I've just discovered, that without caring fully about myself and accepting everything who and that I am, that, that sunlight, that passion, that love in my heart that I know I have, it's not going to be able to be truly realised in its greatest form to everybody else around me and the world. And I know I've got a lot to give, but I've got to focus on myself for a while. And that's really hard coming from someone like me because I am always making sure everybody else is all right. I, I can talk about it now. So I'm starting to. This is one of the first times I've spoken about it because to the world my whole life, pre-Facebook and now, everyone sees a happy, caring, giving, successful person I, I imagine that's what that's, a, that's what people tell me anyway and that's the energy I put out there to the world but behind closed doors it's not always like that um, so how do we deal with it talk to people and I've just realized there's a lot of people suffering internally just as I am and I feel when you open up to people and you allow yourself to talk to people It's not an automatic, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, it's not, okay, good, I'm good now. It, it, it's a process. And it might take the rest of our lives. However, you can use that, what you learn each day and that energy and figure things out. Um, but we, we fall into these holes and sometimes it's really comfortable there and you just don't want to get out of that hole, so to speak. And 
but there is love in the world and there are a, a lot of good people, even it may not seem that way, especially living in America. <laughs> Actually, I won't say that. But, you know, there, there's, we're, we're all dealing with a, a lot of personal things and we're all dealing with a lot of things that the world is throwing at us at the moment. And we're very fortunate to be creative people that can do what we do for a living. Um, and, and have a positive impact on the world, whether that be one person or eventually everybody. Welcome back, guys. I realize the conversation there is getting pretty heavy, and I think that's really cool. I think there should be no issue in talking about this stuff. And like Kim said, it's often hard for others to understand, especially as creatives, some of the the struggles that we go through. Like Kim said, the high expectations, um, keeping things to ourselves and, and putting on a brave face and putting energy into other people I'm sure so many of us can just relate to that I know I can relate to it and I just think this is a really bold and brave step that Kim's taking acknowledging that she can share it and many of us are going through this and together we can find ways and and just take this stuff on together and bring light to it and understand it so really cool i think we just shouldn't be afraid to have these conversations and get this stuff out there so that was part one really looking forward to sharing part two with you guys if you'd like to reach out in any way it would be really cool to hear from you whether it's what you're struggling with stories experiences questions you can hit me up at lionfurypodcast at gmail.com also please give us a rating on itunes check out the various lion fury social media that's the facebook and instagram and thank you to our sponsor again the onada siesta chair that was episode 10 till next time stay tuned